This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Isn't it convenient that we have a round table? Well, it's actually it oval. Just say it. The blind guy feels it now. Goes, <laughs> well, I don't know. Say, I guess it is oval. Kind of oval. So we are uh, back for the. Roundtable, as mentioned, I, I kind of made it sound a little final here, but when I say that, this is the last roundtable with Ramya Muthan with me uh, on the roundtable uh, before we become Kelly and Ramya and, and have our own round version of the round. I wonder if we'll keep the same music, right? And Try you to, on right? the roundtable as well, right? What's that? Are you, is this the last time you'll be on the roundtable? Uh, you'll oh, be hosting the roundtable? Right. Yeah, Brock yeah. is, is going to be in here doing it next week because we're working on prep and everything for, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's going no to be very... No pressure to our guest, though. No, and that's going to be a very <laughs> special roundtable, so people catch that uh, as we get the co-hosts who back us up when we're away, the backup co-hosts, uh, all together, and they're going to talk about their time here on Kelly and Company. Um, right off the bat, of course, this is a roundtable. We pick a few items and bring them to talk about. But today I have to say, bringing Sylvie Fiquette on here, as much as Sylvie is one who, well, okay, what are you going to talk about? Well, Sylvie, we'll just kick some things around in a little bit. But one of the things I did want to start with is an employee who has been here longer than I have with AMI, um, remembers things back into the, the 90s when you started with the company, and you see such progress, such change and we are talking a lot of change with our show moving to the the TV component but I'm sure like me you never ever saw this switch from a reading service which we had in voice print to AMI audio to doing live stuff to moving that stuff even onto the TV side once the TV channel came there were so many things that back in the day when I know I jumped on the ship these things weren't in the cards welcome to the round table Thanks for having me, Kelly and Ramya. Well, not dating me too much there, as in not literally dating me, but putting me in the 90s. I think it was around 2002 that I joined as a voice print at the time, a, a, a coordinator at the Vancouver Bureau, and it was a reading service. So we've we've come so far in leaps and bounds, Kelly, that I can't even imagine. Um, but everything is is um, just change and growth and evolving, and it's pretty wonderful. I think when you look at uh, uh, as things evolve, it's pretty amazing. And really, I thought you were here before me. So I, I, I do apologize and throwing those dates out to saying, oh, no, you were back here in the real troubled times. And, you know, and I was. Uh, OK, so <laughs> I, it was before because I came in 01. So you were there. And when we say troubled times, folks, it was, it was just a time when money was lean, not there. And uh, it's so important when we talk about the renewal uh, of the license and, and at the time when there were struggles and so many people had to come in voluntarily uh, keep the ship fl- uh, floating back then. Yeah, you know, you're right, Kelly. I did, at the time, there was a board in Vancouver. So there was a BC Society of Voice Print, and I was hired by them in 2001. So my official hiring to what was the National Broadcast Reading Service was 2002. But I, that's you and I were liaising at that time. We were working together because I was uploading content in real time to you from that bureau in 2001. 
Yeah, uh, Shaq, myself, uh, Tony King, who we've had here on the program. Uh, he he was. Uh, we were the technicians in Toronto and had to talk to all you guys around the country. So uh, a lot of change, a lot of different times. And Sylvie thought it was apropos to bring you on here as you've been joining us and bringing so many great stories to talk about in the region. And I've just always been fascinated by the fact that you guys, and even back then, part of your job as the Bureau Chiefs, as we called you at one point, you still had to get out and know so much in the community. And so many examples of that, Ramya, are shown when Sylvie brings great contact, uh, content to us from such as groups as Vocal Eye and so on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the regionality um, aspect of these stories are always such a plus with Sylvie, Karen, Ryan and Jim. And then um, also the moments when we're like, oh, man, I wish I lived in Vancouver. This sounds like such a nice year to be in Vancouver because <laughs> of all the things that are going on there. But definitely it's almost like we're keeping in touch with all these different communities um, without having to be there. It's It feels uh, much smaller. You get a real good picture, Sylvie. I, I, you know, it's really interesting from you guys for people to get as blind people. I picture so many different things when Jim's talking about stuff there, when Ryan's explaining to us how the disability community is, you know, has this going on. When you are talking about an event where artists are doing something in, in Vancouver, I, I find it just makes everything so much smaller. That world and is such a crucial piece to what we do here on Kelly and Company. But you guys have been doing it for 20 25 years, you know, in the sense of people in the different regions taking care of this business. You know, really well put, Kelly, saying that that regionality, that was actually the cornerstone or the one of the most important reasons why the CRTC gave um, us a license uh, many years ago was that there would be regional diversity showcased um, on the programming. And that has been significant since day one and it continues to be so because I don't think we would want something to be Vancouver-centric or Toronto-centric for that matter when we're able to get into many small communities, rural Canada, and just showcase a real abundance of information that's impacting employment, housing, uh, education, transportation. It's it's quite um, important to reflect that in terms of representation across the country. Rummy, it gives people ideas. You know, we sit here in the privileged position doing this program and when we move to doing Kelly and Rumya, and we'll still be able to hear the stories of different things, different ideas. And when all of us sit here and say, Oh, they're doing that in Edmonton. Oh, gee, I'd like to do that. We should get a group started here. Yep, exactly. Um, I don't know. For some reason, the the Rick Hansen Foundation came to mind here for me. Like the the kinds of bars that they set, right, and say this is what qualifies you as a gold standard accessible place. And and sometimes the the stories that we feature, you know, the sports and rec organizations, the kinds of resources that people and communities are pulling together to make something happen um, feel so extraordinary. But also, like, as extraordinary as it is, it's just real people doing real everyday things, um, you know, catalyst of of inspiration and other kind of creative juices and just getting together, being resourceful. And when you talk about that, it's true. You spread that idea and other people have um, a better 
understanding of how they can start something like that in their communities. Yeah, and that's so important because not everybody's community is the same. So some of those ideas have to be crafted differently for, yes. for say, you know, a smaller a smaller community um, or, or larger. Ladies, thank you. Um, let's jump into some of the topics we've got. Then We won't get to everything I pulled out, but I did want to point out that HIV activists are marking um, World's World AIDS Day by urging Ottawa to help stop a global backslide in progress on stemming infection and stigma. There's a rising proportion of new HIV cases among women and people who inject drugs in Canada, with Indigenous people accounting for nearly one-fifth of new infections in 2020. Advocates point out that Canada still criminalizes people for not telling sexual partners that they have HIV, even when prescription drugs make it impossible to transmit the virus. They argue that the risk of prosecution prevents people from accessing testing and treatment. AIDS has killed roughly 40 million people, including 650,000 in 2021. Emily Jovesky, The Canadian Press. So in the 80s, a lot of conversation um, as as we found out different people, um, notable people um, who had uh, HIV and, and so on into to AIDS. And it kept us alert, kept us focused, kept us saying we need to do something, we need to fight. Over the last few, well, I'll say two decades, less and less conversation, which leads sometimes us to figure things are in hand, um, that something is declined, good, we're doing the right things. When a lot of time, Ramya, it just simply means we've stopped talking about something we've accepted and we aren't making something a priority as, as maybe we should. Do we feel that that conversation has, or lack of conversation pertaining HIV, AIDS, um, has kind of stopped some of the forward movement of us keeping on top of and, and ahead of the game with this uh, yep. with this disease? Well, it always, it, it takes people, right? It takes that um, prioritizing of a conversation for it to be able to move forward. We just spoke with Manette about how important it is to really just keep honing in about advocacy, about how important advocacy is. And without people putting in the daily grind, for communities uh, and to, to spread awareness, to keep looking at and keep paying attention to research or conversation or um, eliminating stigma, whatever it is, without that, it, it can't move forward and it becomes a background thing. So I think with a lot of stuff going on in the world, it's true, not just with HIV and AIDS, but with a lot of uh, topics they're, they're becoming back burner projects and we're not maybe putting in the capacity that we know needs to happen. I mean, listening to this clip, it was like a shock back to reality, right, of of what exactly is going on. And Sylvie, I don't know if you feel the same as I do, but shock keeping on top of some of the advancements, the, the progressions when it comes to medications, treatments and things like that, because we're just left not talking about it. Oh, it's just gone away. And we know better than that. Yeah, you know, a couple of words there, the back burner, backslide of awareness and information. I think we're all to a certain degree guilty of saying, oh, okay, medical advancements have, they're treating HIV. There are so many that are receiving treatment, but then hearing that clip, there are so many vulnerable individuals who lack access uh, to having the the critical drugs and just 
bottom line, the criminalization or related to, you know, you're going to face that if you're disclosing it in any way or, or you haven't disclosed that you're, that you have HIV. So it, it is conversation is key, you guys. And I think it's really, really important that that be driven forward again. And that zap, like Ramia said, bring us, wake us up again. Yeah. And I know we have to have days where we're just reminded and say, oh, really? Because as as we look at anything and coming out of the pandemic, the, the biggest example of all for us that's right now present in front of us, how much we want to move past, how much we want to move on. We've been hearing about, you know, hey, you might want your flu shot. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. For years, but it's so different than when the flu, the influenza over 100 years ago took so many lives and that was front and center in their world because people were were severely getting sick and dying. Uh, But as things kind of calm down or we perceive them to, we we move on. Um, Many European cities are deciding whether they should light their streets uh, for Christmas as the energy crisis takes hold. Excited Parisians count down as Paris's mayor, alongside several celebrities, pushes the button, setting the whole of the famous Champs-Élysées alight. However, unlike Christmases gone, the lights in the French capital this year will turn off over two hours earlier at 11.45pm. Officials throughout Europe are wrestling with a difficult choice. Either they create holiday cheer that may help boost the economy, or they dim the Christmas lights this year in solidarity with their citizens who may be struggling with higher energy bills. In Denmark, they're striving for a happy balance, as the park director of Tivoli Gardens, Kasper Schumacher, tells the AP. We are looking at our rides. We are making sure that rides are full before we we start them up. And uh, then we, 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 we shut down the lights during night times when, the, when, uh, when we are closed. Karen Chamas, London. Lights are so much out there to advertise. The City of Lights is what Paris is known as. So you think about them thinking of this kind of thing. Sylvie, where where in Vancouver would you say this kind of thing could be implemented or where you could go without having the big and pomp and circumstance via lights in, in Vancouver? I feel that what happens with Christmas lights, and it just seems like Halloween is done And then the next week we have to have (laughs) full on lights everywhere. And I feel like that could be scaled back, not to mention why do we need to have them on throughout the day light hours? Like just even have them for a period of time um, in the evening and then shut them off. Like what I, I notice here in Vancouver, there are some really beautiful things like St. Paul's Hospital on Burrard Street downtown, which has a massive Lights of Hope display. It's their major fundraising element, um, but it's a lot of lights. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. there, there, there's a lot. And they need it. And it's hard because you'd almost think somewhere that's like in Toronto Rum, you guys have the CN Tower. Does the CN Tower need to do the lighting that they do, which is absolutely beautiful? The changing of colors a year round, the thing they do. But are there places that could say, you know what, we don't need to have Rogers Center so lit up. Do they need that? Does the CN Tower, because you got places that really do need to attract people for maybe charitable donations and that. Is there somewhere you would think that should go darker or at least you know not leave them on all night everywhere everywhere like it really isn't yeah, that spoken like a difficult. true blind person honestly <laughs> come on you visually dependent you no it's honestly because 
It's because I think that this is a, a deeper conversation for me in the sense of we talk about with other things, right? With the environmental air conditioning, for that, example. Yeah, people running it in the heat of summer, doors open for patios. With pandemic and people traveling and breaking restrictions and all these other ways, right? Where we say there's this huge gap, this huge us and them, or if you're rich, if you have the money, if you have the control, the power, then you don't need to follow these um, these other things that the rest of us have to follow. And I, I really do think in that sense, if people are experiencing energy crises around the world, if we all agree that we have a part to play in all of it, then perhaps, you know, whether you're the CN Tower or uh, a residential home, we all need to take into consideration the energy that we're using. Yeah. And again, Sylvie, it's so tough because we all have that certain place that means Christmas to us that you want to go and look at the lights. We see that with the big 40-foot trees or whatever, 30-foot trees in New York and different cities like that. And I know we all have that thing in our home community. Um, it's a, it's kind of a sad thing, but we're not being asked to do without. They're talking cutting back, which maybe we, with the energy problems we're having, maybe we should think about it all the time. Thank you for joining us, too, on the program today. Okay, my pleasure, you guys. Have a fantastic Thursday and a fantastic weekend. Okay, Sylvie. Sylvie Fouquet joining us from Vancouver on the Weekly Roundtable. Uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of the Roundtable. As mentioned, a very special edition. Brock Richardson will be hosting it. And uh, the co-hosts, the backup co-hosts for us here on Kelly & Company will be in attendance for that one. Hope you'll join us. We'll stop here. We'll take a break and return to tell you what's coming up tomorrow on our program and see what Now with Dave Brown has for us. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.